Well, it was a bit of a sluggish intro, wasn't it? I didn't think it was even going to get to the end of that. Um, so, uh, yeah, hey, everybody. Good uh, well, good day, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to episode five of the Like, Click and Share podcast. I'm Darren Winter, and with me today are Gemma Walton and Emma Kraus. Hi, everyone. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on. Let's have more up, <laughs> Oh, it's hello, hello. the beginning of the podcast. It's like, what's going on? <laughs> okay. I've had about a pint of espresso. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, Gemma, you're feeling not very hopeful about England winning tonight, are you? Is that your biggest down? down I think so, yeah. <laughs> Although I am trying to remain positive. Um, just after seeing, I think, France go out last night to Switzerland, I think that was a bit of a shock because I think everyone was expecting them to go through. So you just never know. Fingers <laughs> <laughs> and Emma, you've had a pint of coffee. You're on the espresso shots. I've had a pint of coffee, and um, I was explaining that my uh, children were all born in Germany. We lived uh, in Germany for 12 years before we ended up in Saltburn. So um, it's always a bit traumatic in our house when there's an England Germany match. The children consider themselves German. And they're they're very excited. So uh, someone will be crying by tea time. Right, <laughs> that's a lot of fun. <laughs> it will be all right. I'll uh, yeah, <laughs> it will be fine. So we're happy to be here. And I tell you what is nice. Um, uh, my family are in Kent, and we're obviously in the northeast of England. And it doesn't happen very often where you ring up them in the morning and say, "Oh yeah, it's lovely and sunny." And they say, oh, no, it's raining here. So I'm feeling pretty smug about my life today. That it's, uh, it's raining in the south of England and beautiful up here in the northeast. So hurrah for us. We're winning already, Gemma. It doesn't matter what happens. <laughs> 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 I've just got tweets, I think. Right, OK. So if this is your first time listening, um, we want to know where have you been? Um, I'm Gemma and we all work in marketing and communications. So whether that's as business owners or freelancers, and we're here to talk you through the latest big topics in marketing and how they can grow your business, whether you're a freelancer, business owner or just interested in how marketing can help you. And I'm Emma, and uh, I always want to say thank you for listening to us, and uh, we just hope that you find this podcast helpful and interesting, and we'd always love to hear your comments, and if there's anything you'd like to for us to discuss further, if we can help you, you can email me at emma at jucodigital.com, or you can find us on all the social medias uh, via Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, all of them, and now on our YouTube um, channel. I must tell the children on the YouTube, and uh, you can search for Duco Digital. All the links are in the show notes, and please don't forget to hit subscribe so you can automatically uh, receive each episode and let us know what you think. We love to hear from you. Um, and just as a gentle nod, uh, uh, nudge from Demo. I actually did subscribe to the YouTube channel myself. I was telling everybody to subscribe. I hadn't subscribed myself. So I have actually subscribed now. So I'm added uh, as a subscriber there. So please do the same um, if you're I on will. YouTube. And then um, we'll have three subscribers. Huh? I we'll can't. Have a few. <laughs> <laughs> so the topic in this episode today is what's new in digital marketing. Um, there seems to be massive, huge number of launches and improvements to services. So today is a bit of a roundup uh, about what's out there, why these matter, 
how they can be used um, for you to gain um, an advantage in the marketplace. Um, we've got six examples to talk about, um, so we're going to do two each, but Gemma's going to kick off the first one first before then Emma brings in her first one. So Gemma, over to you. What's your first exciting so my, trend? My first exciting new update is the launch of the new Twitter Blue service, which is Twitter's subscription service that launched in Australia and Canada at the beginning of June. So some of the features that you're going to get is bookmark folders so you can save tweets in the relevant folders and um, undo tweet which is like an edit feature but you have to set a timer now it started off originally it was only 30 seconds that you had to change um your tweet or if you'd forgotten to tag somebody in now that's increased to 60 seconds so you have got a little bit longer um there's also reader mode um which is easy to read and text display and there's the option to customize the app on your home screen with different colors and different styles. Um, so they said that all these changes have been based on feedback and surveys that they've been running with the Twitter community. Um, it's, I think, what was it? 349 Canadian dollars and 449 Australian dollars, which is about, I was, I did a conversion before we came on. So I think Canadian equates to £2.4 and the Australian um, £2.44 and I have seen I think the BBC had published something that said that they think when it comes to um, the UK it's going to be £2.49 um, I'm really not sure whether I would pay for it because I don't think for me that those features are enough to like warrant that kind of money do you know what I mean because I think yeah it would be great to have the edit feature but um I would, if I made a mistake, if it was quick enough, I would just delete the tweet. You know, if I wasn't quick enough, then I would just do a quote retweet and what I wanted. Um, but I think if it was like a, a spelling or people make mistakes, do you know what I mean? Nobody's going to have the perfect Twitter feed. Sometimes it's nice to go back and tag somebody in, but you can tag them in either as a reply or a, a quote retweet so they see it. So I don't know, for me... Um, I'm not sure about it. There's another few features that they're looking at as well. Um, there's this super follows, um, which will allow creators, I think it was over with over 10,000 followers to sell content, extra content um, from their profile. So it's a minimum of 10,000 follow, 10, followers. They've got to have posted at least 25 tweets in the last 30 days and be at least um, 18. And that's probably going to work a bit like, I guess, um things like only fans and where you pay like a monthly subscription um and they're talking about possibly it being for 4.99 but they are saying that the type of content is anything it's going to be grouped into different things but i think adult content and that is going to be one of the things so i'm guessing it's to compete with something like only fans um the other thing that they're looking at is the twitter tip jar which I think they started testing um, back in May. But I don't know, what do you guys think? What, what do you, uh, I feel like everything's almost moving towards being the same kind of channel. So you might not necessarily now be on each channel. I feel like you might pick one and stick with it as a, like, as a user because it's going to be, I think, almost like it's going to be, you'd be gonna, trying to create too much content for different, for different channels. But they all, to me, look very similar. They're all like almost laid out the same they've all got the same you know like with the stories and the fleets you know the, it's i don't know what do you think it feels like twitter's kind of trying to monetize 
your position on it, it'll become like Facebook. And unless you're paying to deliver content, paying to deliver ads, then you there's not much po- it, to try and grow organically will become exhausting as a as a brand. And I'm wondering why would you pay for it? Who who is go who would who is that helpful for? Is it just helpful for little who is that helpful for? Big brands. Yeah, so, I mean I like I don't little I, I don't understand the like the 249 a month. I mean if it was actual content that you were like you were paying for to access, do you know like video content if it was I don't know like movies or music video yeah. or like they're talking about like podcasts being part of it as well you know things something like that you might if there was like a creator or a brand or a, a celebrity or something that you liked you know that you might consider paying a subscription for you might do mm-hmm. that but I'm I'm not sure on the Twitter blue what about you Darren I think it's the beginning of the end of free social media I think we're starting to see this going to start to see this kind of um paid model coming more and more and i think facebook are probably just waiting to see how uh twitter gets on with this and if it works out well i got a feeling it might i think it's interesting because maybe we don't see the value in some of those services but i know like the undo tweet and the editing the tweet feature has been massively asked for as one of the most requested features um, and like you say, you could just delete the tweet if you say it wrong. I think where the timing is interesting, because I think most people would like to have the facility to forever edit a tweet. And that's not what's on offer here. And yeah. um, there is going to be a limit to how long. How long did you just say it was again? So it started, when it first came out, it started at 30 seconds. But I was reading something this morning before the podcast that said it increased now. You had 60 seconds because even 30 seconds isn't a long time for you to think, no. oh, like, oh, I forgot to tag that person in or like look at it and oh, like I've spelled that wrong or I've used the wrong word or I need to add something else in, you know. And then once that 60 second limit's gone, then that's it. Whereas Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram, you can go in and amend your post all yeah. the time i would i don't know like i would, probably would expect that an edit feature would just be something that would be part of it regardless do you know yeah, what I mean? I would I, I, that you couldn't you couldn't do that i agree That's and i think the, the other thing here is that is that i mean even if i mean there's a reason why they're doing that because that's how i i mean i suspect they, they're trying to have their cake and eat it i suppose is the phrase where they want people to be still using that platform to air their views because that's what keeps people engaged on the platform rightly or wrongly depending what where you stand on that freedom of speech versus well actually should you even talk about that type of thing on there it does a whole different conversation altogether um but then also that trying to give some degree of flexibility uh to editing stuff but like you say the, the degree of editing is not very much even having an hour would be something because usually it can be like half an hour or so before somebody might mention it. But don't forget, like people can still screenshot what you've put, what you've said, and it's very often it's the screenshots that do the, the circulation. Yeah. It's not so much just doing like the retweets as, as well. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I think I'd be interested. I think I was interested in the the B two B side where they're interested. You can do more like selling. And they can add extra things to your profile as well. I think for that would be great to make your profile stand out, particularly. Um, and the tip jar, 
I think is is a nice feature, and because there are some really good people out there who provide some amazing content but don't really get much money, um, and it's interesting because if you look at the Patreon model, where you know you only pay like a, a dollar a month or something, all those dollars really add up and actually can make a difference in somebody's life where they continue doing that type of stuff. So um, I think it's interesting. So I'd give it a go. Um, just to see what it's like and see how things move forward. I like Twitter's platform. It's and it's like you said. It's we, and we've said this before. It's down to what platform you like, and and I think that's what it's going to come down to is loyalty. So it's whether there's enough people there who really love Twitter to, to make that work or not. Maybe uh, yeah, we'll 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 find out in six months' time. It's interesting, isn't it, though? Because an editing tool is really about sort of improving the consumer's experience, but yet Twitter want to charge you for making the experience of using their platform better. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, good way. Of, I, I like that way. They want you to have a successful time. They want you to stay on Twitter, so, but yet they're going to charge you for doing it. Yeah. I don't mind. Hmm. It's not my favourite. Prefer it to LinkedIn, but that's another podcast. <laughs> 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 but, um, what about you? So I do run a Twitter account for um, lots of interiors, and I, I really don't think they're very active there. I, I think they're migrating from that as a platform, and they don't want to. Um, there's obviously now stronger places to find to serve their audience, really, than Twitter. Interesting. You mean in terms of visual platforms? Yeah, but maybe right. with um, more opportunities to have more content, maybe they're, they're better. Maybe that's what Twitter are trying to respond to. Maybe they're trying to stop people migrating away and trying to make their uh, platform broader to kind of, they can see, they must be able to realise where they're losing followers. Um, and who's going and why so so maybe that that's what they're trying to do to broaden their platform for that maybe i like the idea that they um i like the idea they try to to create their spaces feature for the kind of i suppose the clubhouse competitor side and i know we're not going to steal possibly what you're going to talk about emma shortly but um i felt that might be more better suited to the platform but I think like with all these bolt-ons and stuff, you kind of start to lose actually what's the unique selling point. So when it comes down to marketing, like you're trying to try to do too much and actually there's no overriding feature about why you should go there apart from the fact it's about building habit. Um, and I'm not too sure that's enough. Um, so yeah, but so we're going to see in the next six months to 12 months what's going to work in terms of the revenue side because if it does work i think you'll start to see the other platforms will soon introduce a revenue feature i think revenue just seemed to be um an ongoing trend apple doing a lot now with the podcasts so starting to charge now for that um spotify moving into or i've started moving into this kind of clubhouse style thing which again is quite suited to that platform just because They've already got the infrastructure there, and it's a, a platform where most people go to listen to, to podcasts. It delivers very well, even for us. Podcast uh, Spotify is probably one of the biggest platforms. I do think they've got the edge over Apple um, in terms of how they kind of innovate uh, moving forward. So, but it, it, yeah, I think it will just come down to what people prefer and, and uh, where they 
yeah, what experience they prefer and what service they prefer to use. Um, but Emma, so go on. on Spotify, though, did you? I mean, I'll, do you ever listen? I listen to a podcast called Call Call Her Daddy, and she's just um, the girl who does that's just done a sixty million dollar um, podcast deal with Spotify, sixty million dollars over three years. She's just signed to be with them. <laughs> that's like that's a crazy. That's a, like a crazy amount of money. When you, when you think about it, it's a good podcast. $60 million over three years. And I guess it's, I suppose it's, it's still the advertising revenue as well that they get, don't they? So it's one of these mm. subscriptions. Um, you know, there, there, there is, there is uh, this is turning to a bigger podcast just talking about podcast. Come on, we've got to stop because we're doing the same. Yeah. Instagram, obviously. So all of the social media platforms are, you know, they're an industry that have done well out of a pandemic, aren't they? We know that the growth of uh, everybody hit social media and hit the phones. And um, it's been interesting to see how social media platforms have uh, responded to that. I don't think that these massive companies who are making loads of money, I don't think this is the time that I feel... Uh, very respectful that they're trying to up their revenues to be honest I think there's more that they can do with uh, what they've got they don't need to Instagram is so huge and, and the growth is so huge it's interesting that they try out new things at different times in different places and so there's been um, quite timely with the uh, starting of Love Island again in this in the UK this uh, week I think um, one of the uh, um, one of the uh, things that Instagram can do is uh, respond to the criticism that social media has about mental health and, um, and, and the role of social media in that. So Instagram has been trialling for a long time uh, the opportunity that you can take likes on or off. And instead, and they've tried it in places, I think they tried it in Ireland where there were no likes and they've tried it in other places and there's, um, they've had mixed results. And I do agree. So as a mother of a teenage girl, I don't think it's helpful that she's posting content for likes and I see it all the time. But also then as a, as a small business that uses Instagram to sell, it is very important and helpful for me to see likes because that helps me create my content that lets me see what's successful and so so um I, I kind of see both sides of it but I do like the idea that they're starting to trial the idea you can turn it on or off yourself so that's a, that's a really cool idea so for those who it's helpful and for those who want it or care and for those who it's not helpful and for those who uh, would like a life without searching for likes it's quite um I think that's a that's a happy medium for everybody, and I'm you know the the whole responsibility at social media. That's an, again another podcast for another day, but I think that is a good a new um, a new thing that Instagram have done that would be helpful. The other thing that I think is really positive in terms of access to um, for people with disabilities and also because most people watch video or content um, on mute. Like, um, they've introduced captioning stickers. So as you talk, it would be captioning it for you. And I think that's great. I think that's a great inclusivity. Again, you can turn it on or off, 
but then uh, for most people you can it is quite funny regional accents how they uh, get, how I've been enjoying some of that um, but that's quite funny um and swearing it won't let you swear <laughs> like somebody I know just sat and swore at there to see if they could get it they, they like things interesting though isn't it because it's been a debate that's been going on for well quite a, quite a time now and I know that when I've been when it's difficult because it's, it's a key metric isn't it so if you're putting out content you want to know if people are liking it or not and that's there's a sure way that you know if you're getting if people like it so if they like it then you're going to do more of it if without that how do you know how would you know if that's going to be um yeah, how, why would you want to keep on putting out content that you wouldn't really know people really liking or not? But on the other hand, I think people have taken it too far. And they, in my own opinion, anyway, that I think that people are just going for numbers and going for likes, and then the content and the quality actually goes out of the window. This is from a business perspective, not an individual perspective. So then you basically you're chasing the numbers, which is a, a common, I think, is a bit of a faux pas. So it's a bit of a bad thing to to do um, because then rather than using the platform to kind of achieve what, what the idea of the goals, you're, you're then just chasing the metric instead. Um, and the metric will lead you down other paths, which are perhaps not always um, very ethical. Um, and there's becomes a, a few interesting choices which may not reflect the values of the company or the business or the person that you're trying to represent. So I think it's a real sticky wicket there. And I think there's loads of examples lately where that's um, that's happened. So for instance, in fact, yesterday, um, a well-known brewing company, which I won't know, uh, won't name, but they've uh, been in the headlines quite a lot lately. And they did a competition and the competition post clearly said um, that they were given away um, or they were hidden solid gold cans of their product within supermarket shelves so somebody bought it and they found one and then got it valued and it wasn't solid gold it was copper and worthless so therefore it goes back to the words that put on that post were there to for clickbait to get people to either buy the product or get in entries in the competition or like the post just to get awareness. But actually, it's you know under well under UK law you can't say that. So really, if you're that that is that you're you're um, it, it's under the trade description act you are saying you're you're selling something you're offering something which isn't actually true or accurate. So it's against the law. So that they're going to find themselves in very deep trouble. I'm not so sure how that's going to move forward, but I'd be surprised if there's not going to be some sort of out-of-court settlement because they're such a big brand um, and they're going to get such, such negative press. They've already got a lot of negative press. Um, so on that, you have to be really, really careful. And it's just an example where if somebody's done that. It might not have even been an employee of the company. It could have been maybe uh, like an agency managing their social media on their behalf and somebody's got a little bit excited and put a few extra words in there which just got unnoticed so it's a really interesting example where you know if you're not paying attention to the detail the words that are going out there um, it can be misconstrued and get yourself into trouble what about you Gemma what do you think about likes um I, under I understand what's being done but I, I don't think it's enough 
I think all social media platforms need to do more when it comes to like online bullying and trolling. Um, personally, I actually think that Twitter um, is one of the worst places to see like negative comments. Um, my mum's a big fan of like Line of Duty and me and my sister kept like screenshotting tweets um, when the last series was going on. And eventually, because my mum's on Instagram, she doesn't post anything, but she likes to go on to see like my pictures, my sister's pictures and like family and stuff. And she'll, she knows how to do a little comment and that. So um, she's, she's 78, so she's just, she just kind of with her iPhone and her iPad. Um, and she was, she, she was saying, and she went, oh, she went, do you think I'll be able to go on Twitter? And I said, well, I can put you on. I said, and you can have a look. But I said to her, I said, mind, I said, like, take with a pinch of salt what you see on there because you will see some stuff and it'll be like, you'll, you'll get a shock when you read it. And every couple of days, she'll make a comment or to me dad, or did you see such and such on Twitter about this? I could like, I couldn't believe what people were saying. Um, and I mean, she's, she is on Instagram a lot and she does like, she follows people and she likes to go and see what's being said and stuff. And you don't, I haven't seen and she hasn't seen the level of like negative. And I think sometimes on like Twitter, it's horrible, the stuff that, yeah. get, that gets said. And I, I just think that all the social media channels have a responsibility from a mental health side of things to protect people. Um, and I don't think enough gets done. I'm, I personally don't think the the showing the likes and having the likes on or off your platform, I, I'm not sure for me personally that that makes a difference. I think for me it's more about trying to block um, either certain words or being having more like things set up to try and stop this bullying and harassment and trolling from going on because it, it is it is. Like I think it's quite like really bad at the minute. I think we'll come back to this. This is a really good subject probably, for another yeah. podcast, and there's there's tons to say about this about how some of the issues, but also really how things to be moved forward. It's it's not that simple. It really is quite challenging um, for yeah. all, all sides. Okay. Um, that being said, so let me move on to Google updates. Um, so they're rolling out at the moment. They're call web vitals um so basically just updates about how pages and websites get ranked um there are some extra bits here but i'm really giving a kind of like a top level easy and easy introduction to understand what's um going on um really this i just people are saying this is all really new and it may well be but actually when i look to the detail this isn't very much different um the message isn't very much different let's put it that way to what's happened maybe a few years ago so i think this should probably just a little bit more detail but really they're looking so websites now need to be um given a a, a, a very good there's there's three levels that these things are going to be measured in i should say first of all it's good needs improvement and poor so the first one is mobile usability so they're saying like a page on a website must have no mo no no mobile usability errors. So things, you know, if if you're looking at Squarespace or Wix, um, those websites or website platforms tend to um, ensure that the website is um, responsive for all devices. Um, WordPress, to a certain degree, does as well, depending on how old um, your theme is. Um, but there are some websites just and I still see it every single day, which just aren't responsive or they just don't work properly on mobiles. Yeah. So that's 
Yeah. There is, it's still yeah. crazy. There's still there's some really interesting ones. Um, so mobile usability. So if you've got problems with your website, it's not working on mobile, that's going to be definitely going to be a penalty by the looks of it. Security, um, you know, your site should have the green padlock. It should be HTTPS. And to be honest, it's not a lot of money. It's just, it is literally a few pounds to get a security certificate. And again, if you're on Squarespace, you get that free anyway. And that probably is the same with Wix. I think it automatically connects and provides the security certificate. So again, the same for WordPress. WordPress as well, but I mean, I got a security certificate for a website I was doing for somebody um, yeah. on, I think it was one, two, three, I think it was about fifty-five pound for the year. I said it's not, it's not that it's bad, not, you know. It's like well, you know, it's, it's, you just need to have it. And I think before when people used to see it, well, I just need to have it for e-commerce or payment. But actually now there are so many problems with like phishing emails and and just generally security as a whole. So you need to have this certificate to, to kind of give some sort of foundation in terms of like, you know, your site is a, a decent site. And I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, we talk, talked about HTTPS, um, but I think also with security, just I think that there are things like JavaScript and there's extra bits of code that go into certain website platforms um, or certainly if it is co if a website's been coded from hand so like like iframes and so some of these like all these types of things that, that can sort of create problems for providing a clean experience and um, it could be even things like like newsletter um, capture forms data forms that have been filled in so if they're not quite right or they just look a bit old hat or uh, you know again this all needs to be smartened up. Um, and interestingly, um, the ad experience. So a lot of these websites, again, I can't won't name it, but certainly in the UK, there's a particular publisher, a national publisher now, um, and all their local press all use a very similar platform. But it's absolutely littered with adverts, which yeah, you cannot see anything. It just just it just doesn't work. So it's like they for them to come off, and then the the page is white, and you're trying to scroll. It won't let you scroll, and then something bigger appears, and you've got to exit off. And yeah, oh, it's just horrendous. I mean, I, I think it's gonna be interesting because I think they're gonna bring something in there. Um, you know, they're gonna bring a penalty in there, and the ad experience. I think th this includes the ads, but also things like they were saying about cookie policies and chatbots, all these overlays and and pop ups. I suppose all of these types of things that we kind of use uh or being forced upon us to use so we're going to have to think about ways to move around this um and i have to be i'm not a, a great big fan of pop-ups and that anyway i do think they are really yeah. distracting um but interesting i just wondered like how this might really work um and how they're going to measure it because for some of the sites where i think they're trying to focus on so some of the media sites which are completely they do put clickbait out and then they do make a huge amount of money from revenue and from the amount of traffic they're going to get. I don't think those sites are going to get penalized enough because they've got so much traffic already going to the website. So until really Google takes control of really kind of delisting their pages or derank it or like really severely impacting their ranking, I'm not too sure this is going to really do what it needs to do, but it'd be interesting to see. Um, all of this can be monitored very easily into Google Search Console. So if you don't have Google Search Console, you should have it. Just sign up. It's free. You should also have Google Analytics. Again, just sign up. It's free. Um, depending on which web platform that you're using, 
Um, it's fairly easy to integrate both of them into your website. Um, they've asked loads of great tutorials around, but I'm going to put a link in the show notes anyway, talking through a bit more details from SEMrush. And they're talking about the core web vitals. Um, they say it's all fairly new and it is only still coming out. And a lot of us are trying to work out really what this all means. Um, but to be fair, a lot of it's conjecture. And uh, until we actually see the effects, we won't really know. Um, so it would be uh, interesting to see. So that's my one. Um, and then we'll do this round again. So back to you, Gemma. Well, can I just ask you a question about that? Yeah. So, so for small brands, yeah. you know, I've always said win at Google, win at life. And um, you can end up wasting money so badly on your sort of Google ads because you don't understand your analytics or your search so can you do you know i don't want to put you on the spot maybe it'd be something we could put in the search notes do you know where small businesses can go for advice on this or will say for example duco be doing any training that people could sign up to or you know where do a google putting out training on how to access this new yeah there, there, there are and there's loads of webinars i mean neil patel today was just was putting out a free like webinar um we will probably put a blog out but to be fair there's probably more people you're not saying we're not qualified um but they they i mean they pretty much work with google or work under google um you know every single working day you know we don't do that um fair to admit that but we know enough to to advise companies about how to do stuff and to be honest it's not that difficult it's about having a clean looking website don't have if you have to have adverts don't make them too distracting or i would say you look at your proportion of your website in terms of quality content versus and um, advertising space um, and look at the ratios there so you know maybe sort of just 25 percent you know advertising space versus 50 60 percent and then how though are they video ones are they like are they just static images so again it's all about user experience um but definitely look around for webinars and look around for, I'd say the blogs, the things that the the blogs that keep updating because it's understanding the impact. Uh, so it's understanding what they're trying to achieve, but then also understanding the impact. And once you get to the impact, um, then you'll be able to see kind of what's working in terms of best practice. Um, and that might take a few months yet. It could be like another three to six months easily before we can really see if this is having a detrimental effect or a positive effect. It's not all bad things. It's some of this is this might actually really help some smaller businesses um, who do have really good quality websites and help them improve their ranking um, over competitors who have not invested in their website. There used to be um, Google used to do like a small like business guide um and there was a there was a section um like a toolkit that you could go in and work through um yeah. there's a, a thing where you can google do it where you can drop your the url for your website and it will give you a score out of 100 for the mobile and for the desktop so i think you want to try and be aiming for over 90 for the desktop and over 75 out of 100 for the mobile but it'll tell you step by step what needs to be changed for your page load and your website load 
speed to increase so it might say things like what darren said there about the images that might be too big so you would yeah. then go in and you would compress all your images and use smaller versions of them then it would it might tell you about a piece of code that's not loading properly or it might say that if i don't know if you've got like a slider the slider's not right you need to you need to change that and um, but it'll go through step by step and it'll rank them in order of importance as well so ones that you need, really need to deal with quickly to make like a, a big impact um but there's we'll be able to link them in the in the show notes Darren. There's, yeah i'm sure there, definitely I'm sure there was last time i looked which wasn't that long ago there was a specific section that was all around like small businesses and getting started and what you needed to do like from an seo side of things and um, like ads there was there was loads of they've got loads of really really good help on google De definitely good to google search console is going to be your, your plain your main base for that what Gemma was talking about all a lot of that things will be in there but like you like you said Gemma there the used to be a, a way that he could do an, an analysis and he does do that when you sign up for it but there used to be another another more um I suppose it changed it, it changed it's it changed its name about a year ago I think or a year and a yeah. half ago and I think it's still there where you can drop just drop the URL in um slightly different to what you do with the search console um but you can then download the pdf um, emma and it'll give you like the the step-by-step -step guide um i'll have a look after this and then i can give you the, the links to put in the short okay. thank you i think that would help people a lot yeah go on then jem what's your second one so my second one to fit in nicely with um twitter blue and the bit that i was saying about um the subscription model is the youtube shorts which is in beta mode on YouTube at the minute, which is YouTube's rival to TikTok and Instagram Reels. So it was launched in India, I think, either late last year, early this year, um, and it's in America, um, and hopefully coming, I think, to the UK, Canada and Latin America at the end of June, beginning of July. Um, so in April, it said that it was only like, content creators that have more than 25,000 subscribers could access this YouTube short. I haven't seen anything um, over what it is for the UK, if it's going to be something similar. Um, but they've just opened up the option to use any of the YouTube music catalog um, and content. So you could use something from another video to sit over the top of it. Um, and one of the figures that I saw was in the countries where people are using the app that has this YouTube Shorts feature, um, there's over 6.5 billion daily views of the content. So they've set, up a, they've set up like a creators fund, I think that's about 100 million to pay creators who start to create these shorts. So I, I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be similar to TikTok and Rails where you can, um, Put music over the top of whatever and do a dance there'll be like trends and stuff um you can put text and filters and things like that over the top of your videos so that is coming soon nice I, I, video marketing or, or video just as a platform is probably one of my weaker areas i want to do be able to do more in it i just don't work enough in that side because it's a more of a discipline um but i that's kind of part of the reason why we're doing the uh, the podcast as well could gets us into the video side and this there is so much um within youtube uh, to do i've actually been doing a little bit with um vimeo as a platform and there's tons of stuff in there i really like um, vimeo i do find it 
easier. I find YouTube actually quite complicated because you've always got the channel front, then you've kind of got a back office front to it. Um, and then kind of then you've got other things hidden within menus, whereas in Vimeo, it's a bit more easy. You have got a back and a front side to it, but really it's more to do with the video itself um, in terms of like the publishing. But the, the amount of creative options you've got in Vimeo in terms of thumbnails, just quickly selecting stuff, um, or end credits if you want it roll up, if you want it to be a one-time loop, or um, or you can even take um, like the titles off the way it gets embedded in a in a, in a in the website you can take the title titles off the badge off you can put even just the control whether the play buttons on there so so much like little attention to detail um i thought it's really really great um and can you do any yeah, of those features? can you do any of those features because i know obviously with youtube you, you've also got like youtube stories depending on how many subscribers you've got so again yeah. going towards other channels isn't it so you'll have the shorts which will be like tiktok and reels you've got the stories which is like every social media platform now you've got the community where you can you can talk you can go live so for me apart from obviously what you've said with vimeo unless vimeo is doing something similar for me like all of them now are moving towards being able to do the same thing i think with the yeah. exception of tiktok which is only I, th I think Vimeo won't well I don't think they're moving towards that they've got an e-commerce side of the business where you can people can have their own store and sell videos right. um it's more of a it always has been more of a creative um platform for like people creating video um so I think that's always almost its unique selling point and you, and you really do, you can use it for free but you really do have to pay to get um some of the benefit out of it which is not a lot but it's about 120 pound a year or something like that um but i have to say I, I was able to pick it up more quickly than with youtube but i do youtube a lot because more from a consuming content because that's where i mm -hmm. see a lot of stuff in terms of things like for my hobbies like with with electronic music because a lot of people are using that platform <coughs> <coughs> I think it's interesting that all of this is developed, I think, in response to TikTok. And we talked about TikTok before, and I think all of the platforms, TikTok came along, tightly smashed it, everyone enjoyed it, and all of the platforms thought, oh, heck, we better develop something that uh, answers that function too. I've, I think that's what it's been, that TikTok just shook everybody um, through that, and it, it's been the rise of that that has made all these other platforms raise their games in terms of uh, that kind of thing. And one of the new um, new factors in Instagram. Oh, but it, it's Emma's turn this time to get lost. We've <laughs> lost her. Oh, oh, she's back. Hang on. You're back. Oh, sorry. I don't know why. We've got new, we've got new posh Wi-Fi in the workshop as well. It should all be good now. <laughs> yeah, so I think these are all responses to um, TikTok doing so well. Mm -hmm. I was going to talk about Clubhouse. Was, yeah. uh, do you guys use Clubhouse? I really was up for Clubhouse. I think I invited you all. I was really yeah. excited about it. <laughs> I think, um, <coughs> I think Clubhouse could on paper be so brilliant and i'm just wondering why it didn't take off 
why it didn't or or has it and I'm not aware but I don't think it's lit the UK like maybe it has in America and uh, I just wondered if you guys had said it's a new social media platform it all seemed very exciting it all seemed like it was going to happen I really tried to commit I liked the idea that it was kind of like a live TED talk and that um, and I quite a few people I uh, follow and engage with or work with kind of tried to step over and um, a few platforms like military wife stuff tried to hold chat rooms and everything it just just didn't just didn't for me and I've, I've totally forgotten about it and I haven't used it for months and I just wondered if uh, you guys had or know of anyone particularly loving it but I don't know of anybody loving it I didn't really I did I did sign up and I did start looking and I think initially is one of you said about it was about the quality of the people talking and i don't have really a lot of time and i I prefer maybe to select what i'm going to go and listen to so using that time more more wisely um having said that i was quite intrigued by spotify's move um and also by uh twitter's move as well into those areas of the twitter spaces and that but again i think twitter spaces I think I've only seen maybe one person do it. Um, and I don't always use the Twitter client. I, I might use a third-party client. Um, and I'm only on it a couple of times of the day where I do all my Twitter stuff. And if nobody's there actually doing it at that particular time, then I'm not going to really interact anyway. So for me, no, I haven't. And I don't, I've got no real plans to, to look at it. I just, I just don't really... I think it's interesting. I'm not saying there's no point to it. I think I, I like... You say I like the idea... I think it just needs to be perhaps more grounded and themed and it just needs a bit more time before it can really kind of grow. Um, but things like look, look at Twitch, how that's kind of like taken off. And I'd say that's a really good example of that same type of approach, but just in a video format. So I think it could happen, but I think just because Twitch is video, you know, so you've got somebody talking, but then you've got visuals to keep you entertained and engaged as well. Whereas if you if you've got somebody in monotone sitting there talking like you know what it seems forever in a day and it's a boring subject, it's like I'm not really too sure that's going to be great. Um, I think it's just so much now, isn't there, in terms of content to keep everybody going? I think it's it's struggling how you can fit this all into a week. What about you, Gemma? Um, I mean, I signed up when I don't know if it was your what. Or Emma sent us the invite and I went on and I followed some people and stuff and I get notifications constantly saying this room starting and this room starting and this person called Michelle keeps inviting us every Friday, Saturday and Sunday to join her in a room to talk about music and different things and I just keep going no, <laughs> no. and I've clicked into like a couple of rooms and obviously when you look on your phone and you've just got the the little icons the little heads all over and then one of them's got the the ring round of the person who's talking and it's like I mean it's hard enough when you're on a video to like if there's more than a few people to have a conversation not to speak you know like if you're in a a team meeting or if you're on a, a big call with a big group of friends you know it's hard to not talk over people so I don't know I'm I'm not sure about the concept I think it's the the notifications I get certainly are more like from people in america who seem to be doing a lot of talking um but i'm 
I don't know. I, I I don't think that's for me. I would rather I would rather see people. Um, and I wish Michelle yeah. would leave me alone. <laughs> she just, <laughs> <laughs> she just yeah. keeps popping up all the time. She wants to, and she always wants to start a new room to talk about a new music topic. And they they come they come in at the most ridiculous times as well. And I think like, it's quarter past seven in the morning. You've got no chance to go in a room and talk to you about music. And I'm just like waking up. So I don't know. I don't know if Michelle will get the hint soon and not send them. I, the I don't think Clubhouse has been a massive success, and I think other platforms like Instagram have been able to tweak their offerings so they haven't lost people to Clubhouse. Like you can go do an Instagram live, and you can take part in other platforms and, and I don't think they have houses in the UK like maybe it has elsewhere. I don't know. Just, I did um I took part in um uh it was a workshop on last weekend for Ableton Loop. So Ableton is a um desktop audio workstation um for music producers um you know entry level all the way up to like professionals um, and they had their webinar, and usually it's done in Berlin every single year. And obviously with, with COVID and stuff, they've not been able to do it um, for the last couple of years. But this year, um, they used a new piece of technology, um, and it was called Wonder. And I hadn't seen this before. Um, so part of the introduction was like, right, okay, open it up. And it was amazing because it was like you had the circles and you, you had a little circle of yourself, and you moved you in this little circle in these bigger circles to join groups and talk and all of a sudden um it works in you have to have it in chrome and i think it was uh the new version of oh it's edges at microsoft edge so it's either those two it wouldn't work in safari or anything else um but you you fake your video cameras on um and then as soon as you you somebody comes into your circle then they just pop up on the screen and you just start talking and it's like it felt really instant um, and it's great because I was talking to people in different countries of the world. There's only like five of us in the group, and there was chat going on, and you could see other people moving around the world around you. And I'd say that's probably the first positive experience I've had in a in a in a real like group webinar. I really enjoyed it. Um, so uh, I thought I'd throw that out there. I think that, um, I think that would work well. I've, I feel like I've heard of that before. Um, or something like very very similar but if you're moving into a group then people know that you you want to talk and say something don't you so and I think yeah. when you can see people it's better so Michelle if you want to do something like that and talk about music on that kind of platform then I'm, I'm all in <laughs> just not a <laughs> right then um my last one um is going to be about privacy and I think it's gonna be huge uh, this well, it is just huge at the moment. So this is Apple uh, bringing out new solutions uh, based around kind of protecting our privacy. So at the moment, you can prevent cookie tracking quite a few different browsers now. You can do incognito mode or private mode. Uh, it's not just Safari. Um, you've got DuckDuckGo now as a browser um, that's been going for quite some years now. But um, in just talking about Apple, obviously they've kind of, um, trying to lead the charge here about privacy. That's one of the unique selling points. Um, so as well as the cookie blocking, um, this year now we're going to start looking at blocking IP addresses, um, which has a big fundamental effect upon everything, kind of how digital marketing works. So um, just to extend upon that, they're going to be extending their iCloud service to so iCloud plus private relay. 
So this will allow you to hide your network access when you browse with Safari. So it encrypts all your browsing data um, and it sends it through two separate inter internet relays. So it makes it hard for sites to combine your IP address and then you build your browsing access your browsing activity to build a profile on you. So where we've talked about customer personas beforehand and then how those are important in marketing because you need to use it to target certain groups, um, that will become more difficult because not everybody's going to change to this overnight, but it will be a slow drip feed. So in the end, these metrics in you know, email software, which we can talk about next time, but things like campaign monitor, MailChimp, open rates, click-through rates, all these types of metrics, we won't be able to really say they are like a definitive representation of your activity. So it's going to be interesting to see how all the different services respond to this. So again, this is kind of change. This is live change now. We're not quite there. Um, I do think this is another step forward. I think there's going to be two internets. Um, and like in, in quite, I don't think it's going to be that long away, maybe a couple of more years to go. I think Apple will bring their own version of the internet out. Um, and I think there will be this kind of much more privileged side where you're not exposed to lots of cookies and what's perceived as bad stuff. Um, or you have this really nice, clean experience of what the internet should be like. So I think we're going to go down this mode. That's, that's for another podcast to talk about. But again, that's pretty huge. And again, it's all conjecture because it's only just based upon what people are reasoning into things. But that's just something that's really big uh, to consider and think about the impact of stuff. And certainly when it talks about Google Ads, that's going to be a massive impact on that. So not knowing who's really looking at your site and able to remarket back to them. If that's what your business is reliant upon now as a business model, then you need to think about maybe adapting that and learning more physically learning more about your customers so you could look at things like surveys for instance and getting responses back from that because it is physical data um you may not know exactly who's on it he's filled it in unless you ask them but generally from if you provide surveys you can get an understanding of what your customers um sentiment is uh based upon the type of questions that you're asking so i think that's a good way around that but obviously we're always already bombarded with surveys so i imagine there will be some technology being developed by somebody somewhere to kind of make sense of all of this so that's the final one um did you say that's just a, on a side note to that darren you yeah. know because we're talking about like the data and privacy that the eu yeah. have said that our data laws and everything are okay you know like after brexit there was going to be a thing where we might have to change ours or we might have to do things differently when we left the eu but yeah we've come out the eu have come out now and said that our data laws and how we collect data and stuff online they're all acceptable now i saw that the i think it was the, i don't know if it came out yesterday or this morning um it was wow. due it was due by the first of july i think that was the the cutoff for it because they were doing loads of loads of tests but they've they've come out and they've, they've said the eu have, have said that they're happy with our laws now for that so that's that's good, good to know that we don't we don't have to make any additional changes on top of everything on top of everything else i have so another cookie banner or privacy yeah. policy notice oh my god yeah um, so everything that you were doing before like brexit is still still okay to be done fantastic stuff so we've got some quick facts here 
Um, I'm going to put some people on the spot. I'm hoping that people have got Emma's like crying. It doesn't matter because I've got I've got like four in one here. So um, I just thought it'd be quite good to share some facts about product development. So apparently, according to McKinsey, so I'm reading this. So four in seven product ideas enter the product development stage. Only three products get launched from 14 product ideas. Only one in seven product product ideas will yield a successful product. And launch products have a failure rate of between 25% and 45%. So some really interesting um, stats there when you're looking to, to develop new products. Um, Jem, you're not into I think you've definitely got something on the side there. I've got a fact, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, my fact well, is um, there are 3.78 billion social media users, which equates to 48% of the world's population. I'll tell you what then, Emma, you can have the final say then. Well, I'm going to use my time to say, as always, please send us your feedback. Let us know what you uh, have enjoyed about this podcast, what's been helpful. Um, our next podcast, we're going to talk about email marketing and uh, what you've done about that and how that supported your business. Because if you... Um, rely on all the likes on Instagram and then you don't see them anymore or Instagram's not there tomorrow, what are you going to do? Which is also kind of, uh, um, I was thinking, quite tied up in everything about privacy and, and uh, there's a lot going on there. So please send us um, any questions or anything you'd like us particularly to talk about in terms of all things email marketing uh, next week. Fabulous stuff. Yeah, that's. I think I'm really looking forward to that one. It's a huge, uh, huge topic to talk about email marketing. Um, but yeah, hopefully you found it really helpful. It's been an extra long podcast today, but I think there's some fantastic talking points and a lot to think about. When people say they get bored, they're like, you can't be bored. There's tons of stuff to, like, to, be, to be doing at the moment. Um, but yeah, it'd be great to hear from you. But until next time, um, keep safe and keep well. Bye-bye.